Can you please turn to the book of Mark, the first chapter? Peter and Mark work hand in hand in giving us a record of Christ's life. He uses Peter in, as the witness who has witnessed his appearance on the mount. And we find Mark and Peter together. This is the first gospel that has been written. His gospel begins not with the royalty of Matthew, the perfection of Luke, nor the mysticism of John, who went all the way back to the beginning, but with the humanity of Jesus. And let this truth be known. He speaks for all of us. We need to see the human side of Christ. And he tells us how we can get in touch with that human side. Jesus must be more than a person with whom we can identify. If there is to be any hope for transcending the struggle of our common humanity, we need to take a look at what Christ offers and what Mark offers in this book for us to get a good look at Christ and the power that he made known to us. By declaring that Jesus is the Christ, by declaring that Jesus is the Messiah, declaring that Jesus is the anointed one of God, Mark points forward to his emphasis in his book on the suffering of Christ as our only hope and our only salvation. He takes a number of chapters uh, one must never forget he, he, that almost one half, one half of this gospel given by Mark is dedicated to the suffering of our Lord. It's often called the Passion in commentaries in your reading because the word Pasco means to suffer. Passion is the verb form, is suffering. His suffering for us. Eleven chapters uh, is taken in that. Mark is writing from a Roman Christian's point of view, for whom faith, the faith that he has in him, means suffering. For the people, this message is Jesus has been there too. Jesus knows how it is. He knows how you feel. He knows how you can overcome. And his passion and his suffering is uh, 
different, different because he's the Christ. He's the anointed one. He is the one that paid the price for our sins. He suffers and he dies for sins. And these sins are for the sins of all people. And this is a beautiful gospel. In him and him alone, Mark is saying, we find our hope for being right with God. And Mark does not stop with the truth that Jesus is the Christ. Uh, the servant who suffers for our redemption is also manifested in this great gospel. In his prologue, he anticipates the resurrection of Jesus Christ as proof that he is the Son of God. And that's something that uh, some people deny. He emphasizes that he is the living one. He is the living Lord who conquers death. And he is the one who promises eternal life to all who uh, will share this life and this power from God. What a message. In one short, profound sentence, Mark announces his theme and gives the outline of his book. His lead sentence is so powerful that some scholars believe that uh, he wrote the prologue after uh, he wrote the book. But their option betrays their lack of knowledge and uh, uh, about the purpose and the style of his, uh, of his writing. Uh, he opens this sentence with this purpose and in contrast with Matthew, Matthew who starts with a genealogy and needs 16 verses. He needs 16 verses to announce that Jesus is the king of the Jews. In contrast with Luke, who begins with a sentence of 82 words, a sentence of 82 words, in order to tell the story of Jesus as the Savior of all men. Or, in contrast with John, who introduces his gospel with a sentence a sentence of 17 mystical, baffling words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and in him was life, and that life, and you, you remember those words. Mark, in a simple 12 words, in simple 12 words, in his brief prologue, Mark promises a book that moves in historical fashion with the kingdom of God, with the sound of the good news. He, he promises this is the redemptive grace. He identifies Jesus with all who serve, claim salvation through the suffering of Christ, and promises the life and the power of the Son of God as our ever-present hope. It's very dynamic to know that you get into the power. Mark can now shift from announcer to advocate. He's advocating that Christ is the life. He puts his purpose on the line. Can he prove his case? 
You know, an experienced attorney once advised a, a, a newcomer to his profession, and if your facts are strong, he said, hammer on the facts. But if your facts are weak, hammer on the desk. Well, Mark hammers on the facts. Strong's on the facts. He has facts that Jesus was Christ, the Son of the living God. Seldom does he stop to explain what is happening. Instead, he chooses to remain an objective reporter with the Lord who serves. Confess the Lord who suffers, he says, and receive power from the Lord who lives, he repeats over and over. Mark's case begins with the presentation, look at the first chapter, with the presentation of three character witnesses, John the Baptist, God the Father, and Satan the tempter, whose testimony leaves no doubt that Jesus has the credentials to begin his ministry as the servant Lord. Look at these, look at this great passage here. The beginning of the gospel, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He begins with the beginning. And it's like you think about in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But in the beginning, this is the beginning of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He's the Son of God. Look how powerful that is. And it is written in the prophets. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of a skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in the Jordan. And straightway coming out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the Spirit, like a dove, descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven, saying, This is the second witness. The first one was John. The second one is God, showing that he's the Son of God. He's still the Son of God. He's powerful. 
He's present today. This is his church gathered here. He dwells in each one of those of us who believe in him and claim that power. It's a living, a living church. It's a living kingdom. And it has the approval of John the Baptist who had the approval of two prophets, Malachi and Isaiah, that he just quoted from. And now we have God speaking from heaven and saying, You're my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. When God puts his stamp of approval, when he signals that this is the one no one should doubt. We need to understand that immediately the Spirit, the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there 40 days, tempted of Satan. Here's another witness. Here's another witness that so John, the first witness, was a rugged individual. He was conceived because God's grace and mercy interceded and caused him to be the son of a priest and his wife that had prayed for him for many years. His father doubted couldn't speak until he was born. But he became the person to introduce Jesus. And he was the person who played second to Christ. You know, it's difficult for us to play second. But there wasn't a greater in the kingdom of heaven. Of course, Jesus said, of prophets, there's not one greater in the kingdom of heaven. But he said anybody that's in the church today is great, greater than he. So you think about this message, a person who was second to Christ and was willing to give way is a great lesson to us that when we're called and when we have that which we can do, that we ought to be satisfied with it. John was a great witness. And he seemingly was doubting one time in John 3. He was in prison. And he said, I'm not sure that you're the coming one. Could you help me? Jesus gave the message back to the ones who brought message and he said you tell him that the sight that the blind receive their sight the non-hearing receive their hearing the lame walk again the dead are raised and blessed is he that doesn't stumble at what he sees he was telling him, and if it is his code, I am the one. I am the one. And he said, yes, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. 
Now, the message for us today in a dynamic way that Mark gives us is that it's power in believing that Jesus is the Son of God. And God intensifies that and says, He's my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear Him. According to Luke, he adds, Hear Him. Listen to Him. But now, let's look at this time, this fearful time, this suffering. This suffering where we can get in and we can understand that Mark is giving us, yes, there's suffering in this life. Suffering comes to all of us. But who are we that we shouldn't suffer if we believe in the Messiah, if we believe in his mission, if we believe that he has the power, if we understand that he can give us comfort and strengthen us, why should we feel that we're inferior just because we suffer? God gives strength. And I'll tell you, the devil, I want you to look at that 13th verse, and he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and was with wild beasts. Wild beasts. Picture that. Picture 40 days and the sequence that you, sequences that you go through of hunger and of desiring and of wanting food and the levels that you might attain in getting close to God. And yet looking at the wild beasts and then looking at the angels, the angels ministered unto him. He was the son of God. And when he was suffering, and just before his big time, that he'll be attacked by Satan, he has angels coming to give help. Now, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me. And I will make you fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further, thence he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servant and went after him. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. They were astonished at the doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thus Jesus of Nazareth? the devil tempted him in the case of Matthew and Luke we find that he acknowledged that he was a son of God 
He said, since you're the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Since you're the Son of God, cast yourself down from the temple. Since you're the Son of God, just worship me and, and I'll give you the kingdoms of the earth. He acknowledged that he was the Son of God. Satan did. The fourth conditional sentence in the original language is assumed to be true and is translated in many versions since you're the Son of God. John testified he is the Son of God. God said he's my son. Satan is saying this and now it's demonstrated how that he is victorious over people that Satan has in his control. Look at this fourth, 24th verse. Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee that thou art the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And that's the unclean spirit. Jesus is the only one that has control over those. And yet when we get into him, we are cleansed from evil. And we have the option of serving him again if we want to as long as we're in the flesh. The powerful message of Mark is, is that Jesus is the Son of God in the flesh and is there for each one of us who's suffering with this great struggle of being in the flesh. They were all amazed and so much that they questioned among themselves saying, what thing is this? What new teaching is this? For our, what uh, with authority commandeth he the he, unclean spirits that they do obey him? We have the power over unclean spirits when we have Christ working for us. Immediately, his fame spread throughout all the regions around about Galilee. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew and James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and they tell him of this. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up immediately, for the fever left her, and to show that it was cured, she served them a meal. She ministered unto them. And at even when the sun did set, they brought him all that were diseased. They just kept bringing them to him. And them that were possessed with devils, now he's already had his bout with the devil after a 40-day fast. And he won. He, he was overcame him. That ought to show us that we get that we have the power to struggle with the devil. And the devil hasn't left us alone. Gee, Peter said he's like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. And all the city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many that were sick of disease, different diseases, and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. Can you get the, can you get the message of, of Mark? 
Can you get the good news? That we're delivered from him. Shall we be duped into allowing the devil to exercise his control over us? And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Now, you think about the activity that he had that day. You think he wasn't tired? He was human? Yes, he was. And when he rested, but he got up early to talk to his father because he's a son, because he's a sacrifice for you and me. How many times do we ignore the fact of what, of what he's done for us? And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, Well, everybody's seeking to find you. They will know where you are. He said, Well, let us go unto the next towns that I may preach there also, for that's the reason I came. He said, well, wait a minute, Jesus, all this that you did yesterday, you got, no, they won't see you some more. That is what? No, he says, that's not enough. We, we're going, in fact, he said, go to the whole world, to every creature. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee. And he was, he was given the devil the casting. He was casting out devils. Now, the tragedy is that he, he, this next person that comes to him, the leper, to him, begging him, kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Now, that's like having AIDS today. It's worse, really, because if you touched him, you could get it, and AIDS is not that bad. But it's an indication of sinfulness. And here is the worst one in history. And, and here's what he did. The average person would have said, Jesus, if there's a law, you don't touch those people. And Jesus moved with compassion. I want you to look at that word, compassion. That's a sense of concern for people who are in the flesh and who are suffering. Now, if you're suffering financially, if you're suffering because you don't have enough to eat, if you're suffering because you don't have enough guidance, if you're suffering because you don't, uh, people have turned against you, if you're suffering because of, of whatever, the only place you're going to find compassion that will satisfy is in, in Jesus. And this is the great message here. He put forth his hand and he touched him and he said to him, I, I will. The person said, I, you can make me clean. And what great faith that is. He said, I will. Now, Jesus will not help us if we don't have faith and trust in him. We need to get that lesson. And as soon as he spoke, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. Now, that was uh, apart from the that broke through the natural order and the superhuman element came into existence. Now, Jesus still has that power. In Ephesians 3, if you haven't read it in a long time, you need to go home and read it. He says, 
He's talking about, a, it's in a prayer of his. He said, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Now, the reason that doesn't work today is because people don't believe that. You say, are you advocating miracles? Well, I'm just advocating that passage. I'm just advocating that passage. In a prayer of Paul, he said, God is able to do exceeding abundantly of all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church. We're in the church throughout all ages, world without end. We're just not using it. You say, well, what do you think about my prayer? You think it'll change? Well, let's try it. Let's just try it. Oh, you haven't prayed for that one that's lost? You haven't prayed for courage to speak? You haven't prayed for wisdom to acknowledge this power and help people? You haven't done that? He's able to do exceeding above what all you ask or think. It's because we don't use it, brethren. It's here with us. He's here with us. Now, I'm not saying that he will break through the order of things and work miracles all the time, but a miracle is a miracle that God's working. He works things together for good to them that love him. If he touches people, he's still in control of people. And he may use the natural means, but let's never forget it. But you know, he charged him straightly. And he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away, and saith unto him, Don't you tell anybody, nothing to any man. And he just is blind. He just didn't even hear a word Jesus said. But go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer thy cleansing, those things that Moses commanded, for a testimony unto them. He said, you go offer a testimony, like Moses said, but don't tell anybody who healed you. Now, the reason he did, he didn't want to complicate matters. But, boy, this guy, he really complicated. He couldn't even go into the cities. He had to, he had to do all of his work down in Galilee and out in the outskirts because of the people getting ready to kill him. You can read other Gospels, and this is when they wanted to kill him because he was doing the work of the Messiah. Now, you talk about opposition. In the second chapter of the opposition, it just builds up. It just floods. But when he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no uh, more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places means where they weren't populated. He had to go out there, and then the people would come out there to him. And they came to him from every quarter. Now, the opposition rose. Now, our lesson is, this is it. But the main thing I want to emphasize is that here is this great, powerful message from Mark and he establishes it with John the Baptist as, a, as a, a witness and as God the Father as a witness and as Satan himself as a witness. And when he starts casting old Satan out, these devils speak and say he's the Son of God. Now, let me ask you, how is it that we can 
not claim him. Love him. And let him into her heart. He's asking you to let him into your heart. He's asking you to put him on in his death, burial, and resurrection. It's just up to you. Do you believe in him? Do you believe he has that kind of power? Do you want to follow him? Do you want to suffer with him? Who are we not to suffer? Yes, let's confess him. If you're here this morning, we ask you to acknowledge him as a Savior and repent of your sins and, and be baptized into him. Put him on. And if you haven't let him into your heart as the as the one who overcomes and is the one who will make you successful, by all means, let him come into your soul as we stand together and sing.